Allow myself to introduce myself. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Whoa, this is heavy. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Nephew got power! Let's see if you bastards can do 90. You're listening to Philosophize. Great Scott. The weekly show coming to you from deep in the mountains of Colorado. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with flies. So listen up, because we're going to make you laugh, we're going to make you learn, and we're going to make you cry. Here's your host. There's only one man who can help me. Kyle Quayle. Say hi to your mom for me. Hello, all men, women, non-binary, and all the hypochondriacs out there, and welcome to the first episode of our show since 2019. I'd like to introduce our new audience to my co-host, Max Marshaz, and he's got a minor in philosophy, and I'm Kyle Quayle, and I've got a minor in the trunk of my car. <laughs> welcome to Philosophize. Oh, it's good to be back. Yeah, for those of you unfamiliar with Philosophize, we are two amateur students of the subject with an insatiable thirst for deep knowledge, and we don't claim to be experts or geniuses in any capacity, so the show's format allows us to learn along with you at home about different philosophers, their ideas, and how they relate to the madness that is 2021. We can't promise you much, but one thing I can guarantee you is that by listening to this show, you will do one of three things every episode. Max, do you remember what those things are? I believe that's laugh. That's one of them. An important one, too. Cry is another one. Maybe, yeah, just as important, I would say. But most importantly, you're going to learn. That's right, baby. Laugh, learn, and cry. We're going to hope to make all three of those happen. I think uh, it's a pretty good day if you do all three of those things, right, Max? Oh, it's a well-balanced human diet. That's right. And if we're lucky, maybe number four, if the mood strikes, we'll bring you to orgasm. <laughs> oh, God, one can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Mixing smart with stupid is my favorite way to live life. And then on this show, I'm going to live out my life right into your ear holes. So <laughs> sit back, relax, and get excited for some philosophical discussion, as well as some other goofy segments. All right, here we go. Okay, so first episode since 2019 That's for crazy, us, Max. Man. Nothing really notable has happened since then, right? Nothing really. No, I it's mean, been pretty boring. Yeah, pretty, pretty easy 2020. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> Not, not much has went down. No, just no. kidding. We have a ton to break down from last year to ancient times to the future. The show, there's nothing off limits. We're going to come at you as weekly as we can. Okay, let's get right into it. Max, I'd like you to tell us and the, the listeners and, and myself a tiny bit about you and why philosophy interests you. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's ever since I was a kid and even in, well, even to today, I feel like I never left that constant state of wonder. I've always loved to question things and understand the fabric of the way things are and why they are. And growing up, you know, my, my parents did a really good job of you know, encouraging that questioning and really diving deep with it. But I didn't know until college that this was like philosophy was its own domain, really. Mm. I, I had heard of philosophy in high school, but you don't really go into that subject in high school, at least not in my high school. And um, when I finally got to college, it was part of our core curriculum uh, that we had to take two philosophy classes. And I took one my second semester of my freshman year. Um, and that was the classroom that I walked into. And I was like, holy shit, I feel right at home. Here. Yeah. This is where I want to be. These are the conversations I want to be having. This is what I want to be learning about. Um, and my professor, Anthony Trailer. Um, to this day, I think kind of left such a footprint on me that was like, okay, this is 
this is how I want to kind of move through life with. And um, I'll never forget the, the biggest like takeaway I had from him and the thing that really kind of imprinted on me. He was in the heat of a just like really deep conversation um, talking about anxiety. And when we wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and we're staring at the ceiling of our oh, yeah. uh, of our room because we can't, yeah, we can't sleep. There's too many of life's big questions going on in our head. And he was like, this isn't, this isn't something that should be medicated, this anxiety. He said, it's called being alive. Mm. And I was like, oh shit. And that for me, yeah kind of melted my own anxiety i was like oh yeah like very this is what it's all about yeah, like, like i'm that. supposed to i'm supposed to kind of feel this anxious way as i navigate through my life and come up to different layers of different levels of life and what's unfolding for me and um it was just a beautiful experience and uh, i knew that was the avenue that i wanted to be in 100 percent. and so yeah when i when i told my old man that's what i was going to do he said he wasn't going to pay for college so right. things turned out differently that's but, but here we are <laughs> that's what it is though right that's what, yeah. when we grew up we were kind of that's why it's not taught in high yeah. schools because a uh, philosophy degree what are you going to do with that you work at mcdonald's or something yeah. it's like but yes but yeah, we <laughs> talked about this i think philosophy is so beneficial in all forms of life because yep. it just is a it's a manner to think properly in this day yeah. and age especially in our world now it encourages critical thought and yeah. encourages why am i doing the things that i'm doing i'm made of the skin and organs and all these <laughs> crazy things that don't make any sense why am i not going after that why am i not looking that deep inside so that's really yeah. interesting yeah. and then wasn't there i love this story about the girl that tweeted you about uh oh shit yep um jackie's a remba if you're out there jackie you, i miss you you were awesome we had a lot of fun together in college and i hope your life's amazing anyway <laughs> Um, yeah, we were walking that, yeah, I think this is, we were talking about this a little bit too. Like a lot of times you bring up philosophy to people and they're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. why would you want to do it's that? It's so boring. Yeah. So you're not so going to make boring. any money. You're not going to do anything. And yeah, we're going to steal a quote from Socrates here, but she was saying something to the effect of like, I can't believe you're a philosophy minor. Like, why would you want to do something like that? Um, and as we were went up to our separate classes, I got a tweet that was like, just learned that Max Marshausen uh, is a philosophy minor. He can't be trusted. There's something to that effect. Um, and I was really proud of my response. I tweeted her back and I said, just remember, Jackie, the unexamined life is not worth living. Oh, and that's <laughs> absolutely true. And a little spoiler alert, maybe for, I don't know, maybe for our philosopher. For, we guess yeah. we'll have to find out. But yeah. first, um, I'll talk about why I got into philosophy. For, for me, it was around maybe 18 or 19 when like different things started happening in my life that the structure and the illusion of what I was looking at was kind of fading away. Yeah. Some bad things necessary work. I had a really good childhood and then you could become aware and that was a little stripped away. Some of the things that out are out of my control happened. And quite frankly, I want to say first and foremost, there was 0% chance that I was ever going to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. But at night I would find myself having trouble sleeping and while I was going through this first real struggle in my life. And for whatever reason, I would think about killing myself and that thought of I guess what I know now to be ultimate control that thought would help me drift right off to sleep and make me feel warm and comfortable mm -hmm. uh, deep inside see I told you we'd make you laugh about this <laughs> no, it, no it would though and randomly I was on that page stumble upon Max you remember yeah, oh, stumble yeah. upon oh yeah that was a classic yeah stumble upon it had you put in a bunch of your different interests and you'd hit the stumble button and you'd be directed to a random page on the internet that was associated with one of those interests so I stumbled upon a page of probably who is now my favorite philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche mm -hmm. and a bunch of his quotes 
And the one that obviously stood out to me at the time was the thought of suicide is a great consolation by means of it. Many get through a dark night. Mm. So while I was feeling, I guess, weird or guilty about my suicide sleeping tactic, I saw this and felt sort of validated Mm. or okay, I guess. And so that led me to exploring everything about his work, which Mm. led me to another philosopher, which led me to another and another, another, as you know, philosophers always are looking and critiquing each other's work, which I love. And so a few years later this show was born so we're gonna start in ancient greece and work our way up and i'm sure we'll get to our boy friedrich uh, eventually how do you feel about that i love it man and correct me if i'm wrong here but this whole i love that quote by nietzsche about death and when you're experiencing a dark night of the soul i've definitely been there and I think for me, it manifested a little differently, but when you're in like the depths of your own shit and you're just in pain. And then for me, it's that thought of like, this is all going to end one day. Mm -hmm. So I might as well enjoy the time that I have right now. And and really experience And and experience these feelings. Yeah, Experience the depth of this sadness and this hurt. That's what it means to be human, right? This is is the human experience, man. Yeah, if you are... Let's not shy away from that. I think we've been taught for too long that that's a dangerous place to go. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to lean into that and experience those feelings and absorb it for all that it is. And remember that... There is an end in sight. There's an mm-hmm. end for all of us in sight. No matter what. So we might as well make the most of the time we got. Absolutely. And I, I'd like to get into a little bit about just the philosophy of suicide in general, because it's yeah. so fascinating. It and is. again, if you're struggling with this, this is a, probably a trigger warning or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting to us. And like I said, there was never a real time that I ever yeah. really thought about ever doing it. It was simply the thought of it yeah. made me feel so comfortable and controlled just because mm-hmm. it could, I could get rid of all of these problems, I guess. Yeah. But, it's, all right. all, it's all going to end at some point. So suicide, as you may or may not know, listener, is illegal technically in a lot of places, which is a weird thing to think about it's because you know, <laughs> how are you going to charge a dead man yeah. i don't think it should be illegal but there's so many different things so all right so there's there's mental health uh, obviously is the number one cause there's different things like that so my advice to anyone who's feeling actually suicidal is to try every single option yeah. in existence first mm-hmm. you know travel the world live in complete service to your community go on a little ayahuasca retreat, something yeah. like that, you know, try, try to see what it's like to pound an eight ball, blow while you pay two cheap hookers <laughs> to read you a catcher in the rye, the broken down motel room, you know, try whatever. It's always better than the fi- finality of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of all those options, you should absolutely start with therapy. Yeah. <laughs> those are better options than death. Like I said, just too final. Okay. Absolutely. You know, like I said, you, you're going to get to die eventually. That's a promise. <laughs> so what's really interesting. I want to get your opinion on this next Oregon has recently legalized assisted suicide. But that's this is why I think it should be legal because it's for a lot of people in incredible pain and terminal illness. That's a lot of a lot of terminal illnesses you'll just go through weeks and weeks and weeks of suffering before you die. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe you can try to get on some kind of medication last for a year while you're suffering when really you want to die, but you can't because of the financial things that will Mm -hmm. be passed down to your family and different things. So it's kind of weird. So on many subjects that we'll touch on and philosophize, there's, it's not much as black and white, you know, people will say we like to live in the gray, but I like to say on here that we live in the colors. I love it. To me, trying everything before is the, is the last act is, is black and white. Absolutely. The other thing that's bullshit here that I just want to point out is the fact that debt passes on even after you die. Like, let's just get rid of that shit to begin with. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but I love that. I love that point. And I feel leaving it up to the individual to make that choice for themselves. I mean, who are we but our own best stewards? And we know if we can really, I think, feel like if you're kind of on the threshold of death as it is anyway, you're already there and you're able to tell when your time is coming. And, and if you're ready, like, 
why not? Yeah, I don't, let let somebody advocate for that for themselves. A big and, thing I like to say is you have control. You do whatever you want. Freedom of what you want to do in this world, yeah. as long as you're not hurting anyone else. Yeah. So if you're the only one, and I guess you can make the argument then you're being selfish because you, your family members mm-hmm. will miss you. But that's not fair well, and either. I feel, I feel I feel like this a lot of this selfishness and suicide being illegal stems from our lack of connection to death. Now, like mm. it's so separate from our world I compared don't to like what it used to be. How we. I think it's especially in this country. It feels so separate to our experience now. We're so far removed from it. And if you take a look at what's going on with this pandemic, I think that's really highlighting that. So this pandemic hit and I felt like there was an overwhelming fear of like, we're all going to fucking die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, we are. Yeah, (laughs) No one here gets out alive. Um, And I just think if we we strengthened our connection with death, if we saw this as more of a celebration of the next phase of life, Mm. it would really change the game for a lot of these silly rules that are at play yeah a lot of the first times you hear all all the time and at least what i hear is when someone dies oh my god that was so sad even though they were like 85 had a good life life, the people will say like i get it if you were if it was someone who was 25 Mm -hmm. uh even 45 and had it was in good health and some freak accident yeah that's incredibly sad but there's also a level of they got to experience this life they Mm -hmm. probably lived out their purpose in one way or another and that's just a different way of looking at it as opposed to, I don't know, I've, I've never been one to really cry at funerals as opposed to, mm-hmm. man, embracing the life, celebrating the life of this yeah. person. And this it's something we don't know why we're here, but we have to think that they were here for this purpose. And there's it's kind of out of our control at this point. Well, so. I feel like if you go back to like old Viking culture, uh, even some older, uh, some cultures that are still at it today, there's this view of death of that celebration of the next stage of life. But also they make room for the grieving too. It's not just one big celebration. They also acknowledge, I'm really gonna miss this person. Yeah, And we gotta, you gotta make space for that. Yeah, I, I, I allow the sadness, let it be. Like it, it definitely is a sad thing, but it's not sad. I wouldn't say it's sad for the individual who passed, mm-hmm. but it's sad for you. Totally, you great them. point. Yeah. yeah, and I think if we can separate ourselves from that and just be like, oh, how sad they died so young, it's like, it, it is sad. It's sad, sad for, for you. Yeah, because it, that person is moved that on. Was, yeah, and that was a really sad and tragic event, however it may have manifested. But at the same time, they're off to something greater than we we can fathom. Yeah. Have you um have you ever seen any documentaries or any kind of shows on NDEs and near-death experiences? Oh, I've seen it shows. fascinates I've me. Heard, There's one that really... just dropped on Netflix, and I don't remember the name of it. But people tend to say the same things, yeah. and that fascinates the heck out it of really me. Does. It's this... They get light um, at the end of the light and it's embraced with this warm Mm -hmm. feeling of just belonging and everything that didn't feel right in their human life feels right. And that's always fascinated me to this. Now, I think you can argue that these people maybe never officially died. They were scientifically brain dead, which Mm -hmm. who knows what these things are all splitting hairs, which is what we attribute these things to uh, feelings that we probably have no idea about. But it's just something that I would like, I would think the listener would be uh, interested in going online and looking up NDEs and how incredible that people's lives change on the, um, something happens, a, a, a motorcycle accident where they, die on the table back to life and then they become this evangelical kind of like mm-hmm. philosophers and, yeah. and everything means more to them and I always think yep. about that this that connection that we seem to be lacking between us and the spiritual world right now which for a reason we are because we're human beings we're here to experience it but it's something that people should I don't understand people who don't have that at least in the back of their head yeah. I guess and I encourage you to at least look some stuff up yeah all right enough about death <laughs> speaking of black and white we were uh, recording the show just a couple weeks after the inauguration 
inauguration. Yeah. It was the first inauguration I ever watched. And I will admit I was smiling. I don't, I'm not overly political person. I don't claim to research enough probably, but in my opinion, what politics could use more than anything <laughs> other in the world is philosophy. A healthy dose of it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's, it just seems like there's not, it's about a lot about me, 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 me. It feels me. like a bunch of old timers afraid to think big. I've been told that this is an immature way of thinking, but fuck that. <laughs> right Thank now. You. Yeah. Fuck that. Right now. It's about money. It's about business. It's about the self. Yeah. When government and politics, in my opinion, should be about the collective. Yeah. My whole life, I've believed, even when Trump got elected, that this was the greatest country in the world. And I have to admit, for the first time in 2021, I think I was wrong. We're broken. If you ask me, I still consider myself proud and privileged to grow up in this country. But yeah. I think I've come to the realization that's because I'm a heterosexual white male yep. who was loved by his middle class parents. <laughs> I It's, it, it's I a healthy know. prognosis. Uh, but I don't think you're far off there. Yeah. And while this country, okay, we want to talk about this. It's like, it does have an awful past. It does. And even to this day, Native Americans are still ostracized in way too many ways. The statistics are, are dumbfounded. Yeah. What we need to focus on is learning from those mistakes, mm -hmm. not repeating them. And that's not happening in our world right now. Yeah. We're kind of think we that... We have such a hard time looking at that shit and acknowledging that, that, that that's the truth. And yeah. that's the way that it was and the way that it is. And I think until we can look at that dark part of that shadow and acknowledge that that's how it all started... We're going to have, we got to make amends from there and we can't make amends until we're able to acknowledge that piece of our, of our founding. And what that brings up for me too, is not just for the collective, for our country, but for the self. That's how yeah. we improve ourselves Absolutely. too, is looking at the shadow and yes. looking at the things that we did not improve on instead of forcing them to the side or forcing them down embrace them look at them yeah. what could i have done differently why did why did this not go the way i wanted and then maybe if every single person started critically thinking that then yeah. maybe our world can start to get to get better than that but yeah the other part that i have to acknowledge is that we were founded on freedom and that's mm -hmm. not bullshit i've read countless stories from the last hundred years of immigrants who have little to no freedom in their own country get here one way or another and love it and they live freely and then now i feel in the last five years especially we're going away from that yep. and what I want is I w I've been talking about leaving the country for the last couple of years. I don't I want to stay here and I want to help make it what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's really what I want to do. Yeah, I want to be a proud American land of like the free and the home of the brave. And I don't mm -hmm. care if that's immature, or naive. I will help try to do what I can to help people think that way to get there. Well, I don't think it's immature and naive. I feel like it's the beautiful world we all know is capable in our hearts, but we're just, we don't want to do the work to get there. It's hard. It's yeah, hard. it's hard. It's easy for me probably to sit in my white, you know, <laughs> comfortable <laughs> life and not really look deep and just, mm -hmm. you know, watch TV every night and whatever people do or whatever to get their mind off of it. But yeah. I realized like I'm part of the responsibility that needs to be able to change. I've been what yeah. I believe in as opposed to just letting it happen. And it's difficult, you know, and I understand my, and this whole show is going to be based around knowing what you don't know. And there's still a lot I don't know, but I'm looking to learn in 2016 to 2019. I kind of accepted if you in a, it voted for Trump and you were a Trumper or whatever, political discourse is very important to a mm -hmm. good government and philosophy as well. And my opinion. I have love and empathy for all Trump voters. I wouldn't call myself liberal or conservative. I hate that we have to call myself it's if too, something. Yeah. Uh, if I had to, I would call myself centrist because I like to listen to all ideas and see mm -hmm. what's up. But I learned recently, and I'm speaking for myself here, that Trump is bigger than this. Yeah. What, what Trump stood for is racism 
and greed and its manipulation. And yep. he's just a symbol of the self over the collective. Yep. And until we shift that at the core of politics and at the in the core of the American people, we're going to continue to have a very, very rough time. Yeah, we need to we need to be able to lean into it and step into some form of wholehearted leadership that steps away from this binary singular political form that we've been in for so long. Humanity is not that singular. It's not that check the box, check all the boxes that apply, right? Like there's so much more in the color than in the gray mm-hmm. that we're we're leaving out by confining ourselves to this democratic political system. And I think that's what the people are screaming for right now. It's time to for something different. It's time for a change. These old systems that we have in place, if you look at what they do to try and remedy them, it's just band-aid on top of band-aid on top of band-aid. Right. There's no relinquishing of old systems mm-hmm. and sweeping out the old to make way for the new right. because we're afraid that's, that's a lot of work and that's hard and we're afraid to do that. But I mean, if you look at the history of the world, the only consistent thing we have is change. Right. And if we're not going to evolve with it, it's just going to take off without us. Yeah, you're so right. What's the point? It brings up for me, it's more comfortable to whatever the indoctrinated system was mm-hmm. hey this is how it worked for me it's kind of it makes me fearful out of control to, mm-hmm. to re- revolutionize it but yeah. that's really what it needs it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just it's something that feels so strong in me and i do believe that we have been heading in this right direction mm-hmm. for a little bit uh we'll see part of me believes that this is all happening so the truth was unearthed yep. in someone like me the truth that 70 million americans think that their bank account is more important than having a racist <sighs> sexist imbecile as the yeah. leader of our country yeah. uh, and and even that strong, I know it's not all 70 million, so it's, yeah, it's, they'll push back on that, but too many. But I and also read a statistic that 60% of America's wealth is inherited. And oh, yeah. That's like, I believe I mean, that. That, that, that whole concept of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yes. it's, a piece, it's, a, it's a gimmick. It's not real. No, it's not. It's you're, you're kind of, you're kept down by yeah. the system on purpose, and mm-hmm. we're just starting to realize it. But... Now we know. And I think yeah. now we know and we're a little bit awake. And guess what? You know, Sleepy Joe's our fucking guy. <laughs> Kamala Sleepy Harris is Joe. our woman now. Sleepy so Joe. I think social change is in our fucking face. Yeah. And I just think all it's in all the manipulated Trump supporters' faces. So, again, we would be willing to have any kind of Trump supporter on. Would love to have a healthy discourse with you. I don't want to make anyone feel so dumb. But there's just some critical thinking that's lacking. Mm-hmm. And there's actually something really interesting that I learned scientifically about the brain between a conservative and a liberal and if you listen to next episode we're going to get into it then so that's a little tease to hopefully you stick around in next episode i'm excited for that and the other thing that i just want to toss in there real quick as it comes to trump sleepy joe whoever you support i think this is the other side of or this isn't the other it is a side of politics that also needs to be remedied of like how divisive it can be and if you look at how divided our country became so divisive really to me that's that's the saddest part Absolutely. That we can't see eye to eye that, you know, this great country that was founded on freedom and, and all these values and ideals we really kind of let go of. And Congress used to be able to reach across the aisle and come to terms and come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. And they can't even do that now. Yeah. It's just really, really at unrest. And it's uh, like, here's the hope and Sleepy Joe can come in and kind of, you know, I, I think it was Dave Chappelle who came out after Sleepy Joe won. He said, it's good to be a humble winner. Just remember four years ago. We were the majority that woke up feeling this Mm -hmm. way. And now those Trump supporters are waking up feeling the same way. And I think until we can like lean into that space together, like I don't have anything against Trump supporters. I don't have, this was the first national, this was the first national election that I voted in because I've been, I'm not a big politics fan. I think it's, 
I do think it's a game. I think it's a gimmick. And if Absolutely you look at how game. the political debates are set, it's like a fucking boxing match. Then people are watching the map of the colors. Ooh, which, oh which one's going to swing? That's, which one's going to swing? When I was watching it's the gamified. election day, I was like, it, the colors were you're bouncing off the screen. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a futuristic, like, uh, yeah. I don't know the right word for this. Maybe um, just dystopian kind of yeah. future that it's like it's you're right it's become in a, it's a TV show yeah. more than anything else and yeah. you're right I agree I don't feel that the president has like ultimate effect on how my day to day life is going to be mm-hmm. my whole thing was just how Trump was just such a terrible ambassador yep. to who yes. I am and to other countries yep. like, look at all, any other countries' opinion you're like what is going on with yeah. America we thought that they were you know had their shit together mm-hmm. they, for years Obama was really good you know. Mm-hmm. representative of yeah. our country yeah and that's really just a respectable man this man is not was not no. a respectable human being and then no. so that gives people who also don't think that they need to be respectable human beings permission almost to be the racist person that yeah. they are this exactly. bigot bigot that they are and that's the major thing because you're right i was this was my second election that i voted in and and even even this past one i was like trump's not winning again and i'm so <laughs> naive the first one i thought he had no chance and I then this know, one yeah. I, I was like okay he's got a chance but i I, you know, I just I had to vote. I just needed to for myself to to be able to say that I didn't at least try my best to not let this. Man yeah. Get back and, I'm, and I'm glad that I did do my civic duty and get out and vote. But I also think, yeah, there needs to be a conversation about opening up because I, I find in this country, if you say you don't vote, it's like that's worse than not having a religion or, or faith. Or at be, all. It's like being a serial like, killer. To yeah, some people, which, yeah. So this is an interesting conversation, actually. Mm-hmm. I do because I understand like the right to vote is so important mm-hmm. and so beautiful. But we have to tell people like research. Yeah. And like, unfortunately, that's a problem. Well, now, and they too, also need because, to make the ballot a bit more easy to digest. Yeah. I had to have a fucking like good point. book next to me to understand some of the vernacular that was mm-hmm. in that. They need to make it easy to digest and understand because yeah. that's also a way of They're having intentionally trying to yes. make it too to slip you up. crazy. And it's like, oh God, I just think you shouldn't have to vote if you don't want to vote. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and I think you should. But I do encourage you to research yeah. as much as possible because it is important in a way to just, ha- again, like I said, in my opinion, the representation of our country. Absolutely. All right. So now that we got that out of our way, Max, unless you got anything else on the subject, we uh, will hit our first break. Anything else you got to say about that? The only thing I want to throw in is what I'm really pushing for as we start to evolve and political things evolve um, is change through individual creativity. That's where I feel like our hope lies. Most. That's where your most power in yourself yeah. is, right? You yeah. don't have the power. A lot of those things are out of your control. Who becomes the president? Who's elected? You can mm-hmm. vote. That's still such a tiny portion of control. What you do have control is how you think day to day. And yeah. like you said, creative power and looking mm-hmm. inside and trying to, it's so hard because it's so, one of the quotes, I, I don't know if I'll get it right, but it was something like, it's, it's really hard to convince someone that they were lied to. Yeah. You know, it's harder yeah. to convince someone Shit, they're lied so to than to, than to lie to them. Yeah. So such a good all point. these people that I believe were, you know, kind of manipulated by propaganda. You're not any weaker than than any mm-hmm. anyone else. No. It's it's we've it's, all been manipulated uh, in so face. many ways, and that, and that's okay. And I want what it would be really cool if the Trump supporters were like, okay, we had four years, a lot of crazy stuff happened. Our country decided to go this way. Uh-huh. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. And that's what I would like to do if a Republican gets the next vote that's not mm-hmm. a sexist, racist douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that's that. That's as best as we can but say. But really, I'm rooting for the Yang gang. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Yang. It's like, <laughs> hopefully maybe we can get him on the podcast. I know. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to hit the break. And when we get back, we're going to go our, do our first uh, podcast form philosopher of the week. Also, uh, yeah. we're in the middle of the pandemic where more people die every day, single day, than died in the 9-11 <laughs> attacks. We'll be back. <laughs> Thank you. 
thought 2020 was the year of vision. Well, guess what? We were wrong. And that's why I, Governor of Kentucky Honus O'Donohue, am officially putting my name on the ballot to run for your president of the United States in the real year of vision 2024. If you're all smart enough to elect me as your 46th president, my first plan of action will be to drain the ocean. But why, Honus? Why oh why would you want to drain the ocean? Did you know that it's estimated that we've only explored about 5% of the Earth's oceans and only 1% of the ocean floor? Point being, I want to know what's going on down there. And so do you. You just don't know it yet. But the ocean is freaking gigantic. How are you going to drain it and where are you going to drain it to? Easy. I'm going to fund the 62 mile long tube and spray it all into outer space. And once that's done, we can finally see what the hell is going on down there. So elect me, Honus O'Donohue for president in 2024 and I'll drain the fucking ocean. <laughs> My name is Honus O'Donohue and I approve of this message. But of course I approve of this message. I fucking made this message. Cue balls. He's back. Tuck your tip button up, zip your fly, shut your mouth up, your ears and open up your eyes. It's time to analyze one of the brilliant guys and hypothesize all society's lies. You gon' learn about your boy Aristotle if you were alive today. He would trump Donald, get in line, spark a J, pop a bottle. We go in Charlie's Angels, full throttle. These men are the pillars of philosophy. Thomas Hobbes, Epicurus, and Socrates, founding fathers of modern democracy. But they laugh today at the hypocrisy. Frederick Nietzsche says, God is dead, got some heavy lead, but through his head. We'll give you a reason to get out of bed. We'll tell you what the fuck Confucius said All this knowledge straight for the taking Alawats, Karl Marx, man, God forsaken Rene Descartes, Benjamin Franklin We out here cooking with Francis Bacon Bless them titties and them butt cheeks Just a quail at his peak Squeaking out of his beak Blessing you with the philosopher of the week <laughs> We back <laughs> Shout out Mezion Never left you thought Thank you, Mr. Nasty. Okay, <laughs> drum roll, please. This week's Philosopher of the Week is Socrates born in 469 BC, and BC is what again, right? It's before Clits? Or uh, before the Clintons. Before the Clintons, right. Yeah, I always forget which, uh, what rules our society. <laughs> All right. Socrates is one of the few individuals whom one could say has shaped the cultural and intellectual development of the world so much that without him, history would be profoundly different. He is known for his association with the Socratic method of question and answer. His claim that he was ignorant or aware of his own absence of knowledge and his claim that the unexamined life is not worth living. Mm. He was the inspiration for Plato, the thinker widely held to be the founder of Western philosophical tradition. Plato, in turn, served as the teacher of Aristotle, thus establishing the famous triad of ancient philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Unlike other philosophers of his time and ours, Socrates never wrote anything down, but he was committed to living simply and to interrogating the everyday views and popular opinions of those in his home city of Athens. So you might know Plato was the one who actually uh, wrote all of his stuff down yeah. as his student, as his pupil. I always found that fascinating. Yeah. So everything we know about Socrates really comes from the work of Plato. Yeah, it's so cool. Socrates pointed out that human choice was motivated by the desire for happiness. Ultimate wisdom comes from knowing oneself. Mm. The more a person knows, the greater his or her ability to reason and make choices that will bring true happiness. Mm. 
I thought I knew myself. I really did. Um, I still think I really have a good connection to myself, but there was... You still know yourself. I do. Always have. Yeah. And I think by putting myself in opinions of... I was like, well, how could someone else know me? But I started going to therapy and started to... These things that were deep inside me that were Mm -hmm. locked away that I wasn't probably able to access by myself were opened recently. So that's really cool. And I have to believe that Socrates would be a big proponent of therapy. Oh, I... Couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think therapy, in my family, the saying has existed when it comes to therapy that it's the gift you give yourself. Mm. Um, I've been doing therapy for just shy over a year now. And similarly, man, like I, I got know thyself tattooed on my forearm. Knowing myself has always been such a something I prided myself on. Same. Um, and I was really shocked when I stepped into the therapy room to learn, oh, fuck, there's some things here that I don't know about myself. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's the beauty of the self. We're always changing, always evolving. Every four years, you literally like shed. It's either four or seven years. You sh- your molecules All your skin change. Is different. Your cells yep. change. So it's only natural that as we get older, you're going to learn parts about yourself that you maybe you're not a big fan of. Yes. And it's, then it's meeting yourself where you're at. Right. But once you do that, then you can change those things. Because exactly. if you don't know them, then you can't change them. And it's not, you know, like, how do I put it the right way? I do, like I said before, I, I really do know myself. It's just... Do you know yourself? Yeah, I, I but do. But it's, and it's I, like and an I'm ongoing so, story. Uh, and it's almost like I'm so, I've always been like you, obsessed with knowing myself. Yeah. That that, creates a block yep. in a way because it's like well <laughs> no, no no i would have known that by now. exactly <laughs> so my ego is there to protect me yeah. and it's again and again it's uncomfortable to look at those things that we don't like about them ourselves yeah and having a trained professional where it's really really easy to access this day and age mm-hmm. is so beneficial to yeah. getting that extra level to knowing yourself yes. knowing why you do the things you do and that's just what i think why we love socrates so much is because that was his biggest thing know thyself and yes. i think that's really really important 100 anyway into one of our favorite quotes mm. max's tweet max's best tweet of all time as well <laughs> the unexamined life is not worth living what a beauty oh, so man. let's take it at face value Mm. I, for one, or should I say I, for three, (laughs) could not live a life without examining even the most minute of details. We are this unique species that can identify ourselves and think about existence. And when I first started to bring this up to people close to me after getting familiar with my boy Nietzsche, and then Nietzsche, obviously, he critiques Socrates a lot. We'll get into that in Nietzsche's episode. I was bombarded with, you know, weirdo, pothead. Why would you ever (laughs) think about this stuff? And um, like, why what? wouldn't you? Have, yeah. it, have you ever seen a fucking circulatory yeah. system? Yeah. Have you ever seen a pelican take out their spine out of their gullet to cool themselves? <laughs> have you ever had a vivid dream Fuck. that feels like it actually happened or met someone yeah. in a former dream? Yeah. I'm the weird one for not contemplating? <laughs> no, that's their yeah, exactly. defense mechanism coming up because they're not it's examining themselves. Because no matter who you are, it's going to be uncomfortable if yeah. you start to really break yourself down and break down not just yourself, but life as, as we know it. Yeah. I think it's fear, right? And yeah. we just talked about that. That's why people don't well, contemplate fear because... of feeling meaningless, I think, at times. Yeah. The fear of the aforementioned lack of control. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I feel there's so much to, to know. There's so much to examine. And it's like when you're confronted with all of that, I think it's really overwhelming and really kind of anxiety provoking of like, well, where, where do I fucking start? Yeah, what start. do I look at first? What do I what, what are the right questions to be asking? Is it bad? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, I'll have a, a thought or a question pop into my head. It's like, ooh, that, that was kind of dark. Should oh, yeah. I even like think about that? Well, that's exactly and, what I brought up in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, actually through therapy and, and talking over this with my therapist and that, that quest of examining life, examining the self, it's, uh, I think the, the discrepancy is, is when you get to those dark places as you're, you are examining life and examining your experience in the world. 
if you don't act on that shit, you're good. Like mm-hmm. everyone has those bad thoughts, yeah. But it's the difference is those who act on the bad. And thoughts. if you and if you're not analyzing them or looking deep into them, it yeah. could be easier to act on them, right? Exactly. And that's the other thing too. Yeah. If you don't can't look at that and be like, "Ooh, wait, wait a second. and then you just act from it, then you it got, bubbles up in different parts of exactly. your life, no matter what. It's going to come exactly. up in these ugly It'll forms. Find you. It'll yeah, find it finds you. you no matter what. And I think like if you look at this past year and the year we're currently in. If you choose to not examine your life, it's the pattern or whatever you want to call it is just going to continue to happen until you are able to look at it. If you don't examine life, life will examine exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think look at like the systems that our society have created that have been in place for so long and then they get completely flopped on their head during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think this was life's way of being like, y'all got to look at this yeah, shit. Because yeah. some of this is really wrong and so, not working. Uh, yeah, it's like, so there's some science coming in. Uh, yeah. Maybe you guys are using too much plastic. I don't yeah. know. Oh, man, uh, you got these, uh, this <laughs> epidemic with uh, too many pharmaceuticals are being prescribed I feel properly. like the thing we heard all along was, we've got to, don't worry, we got a plan. we got a plan, it was, right? Yeah, it was this, What's Mike Tyson's quote? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched, punched in the face. face. <laughs> it's just this little t- guy in the back was like, hey, maybe you guys should change. Maybe you guys. And yeah. then the pandemic was like, pandemic monster comes in. Yo, stick on the table it's like you guys are gonna change this shit right now you ain't got a choice (laughs) look at it oh that's funny man all right so i guess the other argument that this brings up for me that we have to acknowledge is privilege yep philosophy in a way is Mm. a privilege and many people in our country and even more in the other parts of the world have to spend all of their time and day of the week to support their family working a job that maybe they don't want to do those damn sweatshops and different kind of things where you're working all day and it's not fair that me i get to sit here and ponder the experience of life in myself when that person it doesn't lend that life doesn't lend itself to a time of thinking and deep thinking so would you say here that the man or woman or person who works eight to eight for minimum wage every day and doesn't have time like he says to examine his life socrates is is that person's life not worth living um this is where it gets tough and this is philosophy and this is where i have a hard time with philosophy and privilege honestly i've actually been thinking over this for a while and i agree to to an extent i think philosophy uh requires a, a a piece of privilege if you're if you're just wanting to live like Socrates did where it's all you do all day long you drink wine and you have these deep intellectual thoughts mm-hmm. and you're My conversing <laughs> uh, and you you bring circles around you to have these conversations and um, that I believe yeah re- definitely requires a degree Absolutely. of privilege but I think where where the discrepancy lies for me is I don't know a single soul that whether you're working eight to eight, nine to five, 12 to 12 doesn't have some point in the day where some kind of question or examining thought occurs in your head. It has to, right? It It has has to. to. We're only human. It's human nature. I don't care who you are. We're floating around on a rock going X miles an hour. A thousand miles an hour. A thousand miles an hour. Like this, this whole thing, this whole concept of what Kyle and I are doing right now, what anyone is doing with their life right now is bonkers. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's where the the privilege sides get gets hard for me. I will say that I believe privilege makes it easier for some to be able to go there than others, um, but I think it's accessible for all in the yeah. sense of like even in even in the grind of an eight to eight. I've had my fair share of deep intellectual thought. I've met homeless people that are homeless very, people, yeah. very philosophical very. in their times. I've met people who who are workaholics who have a bunch of philosophies. Yeah. So, yeah, I would never say, I don't think Max would either, that any person's life isn't worth living. No. I like, though, um, maybe like someone like you brought up, 
uh, in a past episode, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah. He's actually, did you see he's stepping down? I saw that, yeah. which I don't, I don't He's going to go live Socrates. Like, he's going to, yeah, he's going <laughs> to It's just going to be easier he's, for He made now. his fortune, he's done. That's yeah, how I see yeah. it. Yeah, but like, I think, like we said, if he's not examining what he's doing yes. to, towards this life, yes. then that's not. I think, yeah, I think. The, the wires just crossed me. That's it. When you are acting from a place of, you know that this isn't going to serve your community or the earth that you're a part of, it's, but you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. And you have maybe not fully examined it, but it's crossed your mind. Like, hmm, this probably isn't the best thing for yeah, earth or life, but fuck it. I'm going to make a lot of money. The distribution of wealth is mm-hmm. a terrible thing in our country. And it could be the uh, the amount of money that billionaires have made even during this pandemic is yeah. sick. It's sick. Yeah. And, and you're hurting other people by saving it. It's easy yeah. to just go into your castle and, and stay there yeah. and not do much. But you got to, if I, you have that amount of money, this is why capitalism and its ideas, I believe in, like everyone should have their own choice but there has to be some kind of like yeah. a perfect world just some kind of limit should nobody should have a billion dollars yeah. it's just like ugh, people will tell me that this sounds so idealistic right. but i don't care i don't <laughs> care this just feels so right yeah. to me we gotta have big ideas it's yeah important. it's it's just no way so i don't yeah i don't know i think it was a and shout that, out to carmela for bringing up this yeah. uh privilege yeah. uh, during our 2000 well, i think the other right? thing that in terms of not worth the unexamined life not worth being lived i would say if i was that and not this isn't to say that jeff bezos isn't examining his life but let's just take him because he's the example that's there yeah uh if he's continuing to do these things and he knows that what he's doing is not serving his community or the earth or home or whatever i think it's that that white lie that he's telling himself those little white lies are the things that are really starting to slowly but surely undermine our society and that's what has been happening for so long and what we're really kind of seeing pop up to the surface yeah yeah, I hope so. And then just Bezos, if you're listening to this, man, just switch it up. Dude. Pay off my student loans, yeah. dude. <laughs> Help us out, man. Oh, man. Okay, so I guess if I had to give a black and white answer, which I don't like doing, the unexamined life for me is not worth living. Yeah. I don't know if I could even do it. I don't I can't, I, I don't think I could just put it out of it's my not, mind. They're I'm not like, wired that way. But I guess we brought this up a little bit. I, I, I have a, a friend's dad, for example, who, as far as I know, has never contemplated jack shit. He's one of the happiest, is bliss. <laughs> loving, most loving people yeah. I've ever met on the surface. But I yeah. like what you said a couple minutes ago where I bet you in his quietest yeah. moments, yeah. something has I, come it's up. Only human. It's, only, it's only it's, human. I guess I just can't picture that not happening. Yeah. But... I don't know. Naivete can be very well be the best way to live life on Earth. Yeah. I don't Unless, know. You know like, like you're you said, a vegetable and you can't think. So. I don't know. It's so hard. I guess, again, this is all philosophy. We can't. I can never say anything with 100% certainty. I can only judge for myself. And, yeah, for for me, Socrates is correct in this in this uh, accusation. Yeah, I, right. I agree with you. So, all right, here we go. Socrates said the purpose of the examined life is to reflect upon our everyday motivations and values and to subsequently inquire into what real worth, if any, that these values and motivations have. If they have no value and are indeed harmful, it is upon us to pursue those things that are truly valuable. So this is exactly what we were talking about with mm-hmm. Bezos. Sorry, if Bezos, could, for all I know, he could be like the best. Even yeah. I don't really we don't know. <laughs> we don't He's know. He's an example yeah. that we're bringing up. I don't know. There's any no of these. factual I've never met any that. of these no. billionaires. 
see where he's just an example to where I <laughs> see two things. I see his net worth and I see all these people struggling. Yeah. And I see like and, and people are are kind of uh, dumb to math. I, I would I need to bring this up. I'll probably bring it up in the fact check. A billion seconds is like thirty nine years. A million seconds is like eleven weeks or something. Whoa. We don't people don't comprehend how much more a billion is yeah. than a million. Yeah. That's I think that ha- I think that, and I'll bring it up in the fact check. Couldn't agree more. All right, this unexamined life worth living will come up in most of our episodes, so this will not be the last. You hear it's a very. I mean, that's what philosophy is all about. It really is. And this is why we do and, Socrates first because he's the yeah. father, and the, yeah, he, and this is like the basis of all knowledge. All right, now to Socrates' uh, physical life. Uh, in a culture that worshipped male beauty, Socrates had the misfortune of being <laughs> born incredibly ugly. <laughs> Many of our ancient sources attest to his rather awkward physical appearance, mm. and Plato more than once makes reference to it uh socrates was known as not the best looking individual in a time where beauty was appreciated his eyes bulged out of his head and were not straight but focused sideways he had a snub nose apparently which made him resemble a pig and uh, many sources depict him with a pot belly so uh, socrates did little to help his odd appearance frequently wearing the same cloak and sandals throughout both the day and the evening which during quarantine i can relate to <laughs> it was about three outfits i think i had during the three or four months that i was really locked myself down yeah. and it was most this uh you know comfortable clothes and oh, i was yeah. doing the same thing as socrates yeah especially yeah. when the pandemic first hit oh, everything yeah. like i've always thought like this but it was like damn man the wheels oh, just started yeah. turning really fast which is oh, pretty fascinating for sure as a young man socrates was given an education appropriate for a person of his area by the middle of the fifth century bc all athenian males were taught to read and write his father however also decided to give his son an advanced cultural education in poetry music and athletics Socrates was well uh, known to be well versed in poetry, talented at music, and quite at home in the gymnasium, which is a bit of a surprise, uh, knowing about his, uh, <laughs> his you know physical, for, his physical attributes. In accordance with Athenian custom, his father also taught him a trade. Though Socrates did not labor at it on a daily basis, rather his trade he was he made his own trade where he spent his days in the agora, which is the Athenian marketplace, mm-hmm. asking questions of those who would speak with them. Mm-hmm. While he was poor, he quickly acquired a following of rich young aristocrats one of whom was Plato, who particularly enjoyed hearing him interrogate those that were purported to be the wisest and most influential men in the city. So that's pretty cool. He kind of made out a life for himself to just go to rich people and and, and kind of ask them where... (laughs) Like, really question them and go after them and yeah. make them think about each individual thing. And, man, it so, must have been so cool. Like, Socrates goes the first day, maybe. He's like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And nobody really listens. Second day, I'm going to keep doing this. I really believe in this. Yeah. Maybe one guy listens. Yeah. Maybe another. Hey, I, there's this pot belly dude down at the Agora <laughs> yeah. who's, like, really smart. you got to come out and eventually come find, yeah, makes a living about a it. It's yeah. really, really cool. I would, I would again, I would love that life. Uh, yeah, you know, thought, cool. conversation, mm-hmm. Greek women, <laughs> men, whatever. to it yeah that's how it goes i wonder if he were now i don't know when plato wrote up about the socrates's physical appearance but i wonder if today socrates could see that and be like bro i took you under my wing and you're talking about my gut like what's the deal (laughs) yeah good point although i guess yeah probably he's probably like the truth of it he probably yeah i mean he probably didn't didn't care anyway it's like it's so anti to what he believed in we'll get into that in a second In accordance with Athenian custom, Socrates was open about his physical attraction to young men, though he always subordinated his physical desire to them to his desire that they improve the condition of their souls. I don't think we should touch any more on this one, which is ironically exactly what Socrates said. Yeah. But interesting. I mean, that's it's always interesting to learn all the spectrum of uh, a life back then and how yeah. different it was today and, and so how different. he kind of probably knew that uh, messing with the young boys would screw their soul up. 
Yeah. Let's let's probably leave it there. Maybe even cut it out. (laughs) Socrates fought. uh, This is really interesting. He fought valiantly during his time in the Athenian military. Just before the Peloponnesian War with Sparta began in 431 BC, he helped the Athenians win a major battle in which he saved the life of Alcibiades, the famous Athenian general. So he was really known to be a really good fighter, which might be important knowing about his potbelly pig. He definitely didn't fear death. I think in that that part of war (laughs) and being fighting uh, so strongly for what you believe in which is like goes generally probably against what you would believe to be a thinker yeah but you can be both and socrates showed that that's badass good for him that's really badass despite his continued service to his city many members of the athenian society perceived socrates to be a threat to their democracy Mm. and it is this suspicion that largely contributed to his conviction in court Mm. Uh, it is therefore imperative to understand the historical context in which his trial was set History has never really been kind to deep thinkers. I think in terms of people who get to major positions of power, thinkers are no good. Yeah. Thinkers are dangerous. You yeah. know, what sociopaths in power want is they want a subordinate, someone yep. that they can control, someone who is going to follow their orders in spite of their own true opinion or heart or soul. Yeah. Thinkers can also go against religion, really. The charges mm-hmm. to Socrates at his trial were stated as follows. Socrates is criminal wrong by not recognizing the gods that the city recognizes, mm. and furthermore, by introducing new divinities. Mm. And he also does criminal wrong by corrupting the youth. That was his official that charge is, yeah, at, his, at his trial, which is just crazy. And so I'm not sure. A lot of times, Max, even you'll see today with, I think, sexism through abortion laws being framed through the angle of religion because that's always a pass you always have a pass i'm doing this not for me but for god for the god in my bible and that makes the evil person have an alibi of sorts Mm. religion becomes an alibi and i Mm. wonder if that's what they were doing here as well as the wealthy and power were feeling threatened by a deep thinker like socrates coming up and kind of making everyone question how the system's in place that relates directly to today yeah, isn't it that's such a good point yeah and it's so fascinating to me that like i mean even back then the the uh the, the tension that was created by him forming his own deities and rejecting the, yeah. the athenian just gods. by walking into the agora and yeah. opening his opinion up yeah. and starting to get people with money to kind of be behind him is yeah. what it kind of sounded like and, what, and people in power don't like that yeah and the other just so such an interesting th- part of spirituality and, and religion for me is like if you're if this all powerful god being source whatever it is you want to call it um has created these these laws right that need to be followed um but then if you you look at the way of the world and the natural order of the world it's chaos right mm-hmm. that's like have the natural order of anything yeah the big bang is what formed everything that was that was a fucking huge mess chaos comes before creation so I just think it's so fascinating that, well, my God says this, well, my God says that. And it's, we're getting into that binary, that singular train of thought, but it's like, well, really the, the limit does not exist to yeah, what all of this nope. is and to what all of this can be. Nope. And I just think we need, there's been such a split between religion and science and there's so much um, bad blood there when you engage in that conversation, mm-hmm. even today, even to oh, this very day, people have such a hard time of valuing science or religion. And I was reading this book called... Um, the view from the center of the universe. And they talk about, I think it was during the the time of Galileo, there was a scientist who wrote a letter 
about the discovery of the earth not being the center of the universe and the oh, fact yeah. the sun is and we revolve around the sun and those papers got published and the church locked the guy yeah. up, threw him away. Yeah. And the book Crazy. is referencing that this is where we saw this um, schizophrenic societal split. split. Because now all of a sudden, science and religion cannot coexist together. Oh They're God. two separate things. Which is crazy. Which just doesn't... Yeah. If we allow, if we brought bridge that gap and brought them back together, I think it would help to prove a lot of the things that religion is pointing to, but from a more grounded and factual state, which I think will just help people to understand their place in the, in the world and yes. the cosmos and just life in general. But now... The, it, you're considered one or the other, and I think that's creating the split in the in our society. That's creating a lot of tumultuousness. Right. It's there's it's, there's both two levels that come up for me there. There's one where the religious person says, "No, this is how it is. You cannot have another opinion besides it." Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the stupid scientist will say, "This is how it is. Don't question it." Both things are terribly wrong. <laughs> so I love what you're saying, Max, about the convening of science yes. and religion. Spirituality is what yeah. we call it. Religion is what other people call it. I don't find much difference in it. Yeah. And this is why I am such a big proponent of science. I love mm-hmm. it. It's proof of what we know now exactly. in this that's, perceivable that's world. What's important, what we know now. Yes. And that's what I loved about this book. It's written by uh, two scientists and they talk about scientific theory and it's like, look, this. we're not saying that this is set in stone. It's the be all end all. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is this is the most information we have about this and this is what we believe to be true right now right. until we get more information proving it otherwise. And we need to use this data and information to make our experience on life better yes that's what science needs to be it can't be this almost uh you know a lot of times it'll be dirty it's become like the science yeah. is like no you can't think uh this spiritual way because the science proves it's that you don't have a soul it's like those yeah. kind of weird well, and black think, and white things and i are feel correct. too there's i think if you take somebody who's in that religion house and somebody who's in that science house both of them will argue to the bone about one being more right than the other. And I think that's where it can get really detrimental is you can have bad science and bad religion yep. and they can clash. And And I think when an example of bad science is big pharma and how they're just all about profit and yep. pumping a bunch of chemicals that mm-hmm. may not be really great for you when you look through the list of side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bad religion where I see it as like – the, the people who are saying, well, if you don't practice what I practice, you're damned to hell and I'm, I feel bad for you. Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of the reasons I think America didn't respond super well to the pandemic because yeah. we don't have a good relationship with one, religion or, or spirituality, yep. and two, especially with science. A lot yeah. of people think, all right, so I think science has been become a, became a dirty word a few times mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. One, because compared to better countries like or New Zealand or Denmark, how they approached the pandemic they ha- you what they have in common is they have a good relationship between government and science mm-hmm. and america does not america kind of right now is the me over the us and science mm-hmm. is in my opinion at its best stands for the us over me and as yeah. is religion and spirituality so i just think there's a lot of entitlement too in our society and it's good there's some confidence behind it. it's cool but you have plumbers or restaurant managers or you know politicians that think they know more about science than science and then <laughs> and like sometimes i don't blame them because we don't have like we don't have yeah, that good relationship with our with scientists and and again we've been taught there's been scientific studies that are bullshit all over the yeah, internet it's so you don't true. know what to believe so there just needs to be a better focus on acceptable science and these yeah. people who who really I, I, a lot of scientists dedicate their whole life because they want the world to be a better yeah. place and You're, that's what science in religion spirituality is supposed to be it's supposed to be this thing that makes life better when i think if you if you take a scientist and you take say uh, for lack of a, a better occupation in uh, the realm of religion, a priest. I see both of those individuals as seekers. They're both seeking truth 
whether through a religious modality or mm-hmm. scientific modality. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much that they have in common that they're just not leaning into together yeah. for fear that one may prove the other wrong. Right. And it's not when like, that's what we got to get over. It's not about who's right and who's no, wrong. It's, not. it's about coming together to, to get the answers together. It's not about being right. It's about getting it right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's get All that right. tattooed. Holy <laughs> shit. Okay. So yeah, this actually uh, goes really well into our next subject, which is Socratic ignorance. And Socratic ignorance which comes from Socrates, obviously the awareness of one's own absence of knowledge. That's what Socratic mm-hmm. ignorance is. So it's arguably the thing that Socrates was most famous for. Simple ignorance is, like I said, being aware of one's own ignorance, where double ignorance is not being aware of one's own ignorance while thinking that you know best. Mm. In showing That's many dangerous. <laughs> in showing many influential figures in Athens that they did not know what they thought they did, Socrates unsurprisingly came to be a despised in many circles. Because that happened, and I'm sure it's happened to you as it's happened to me, where the initial thing that happens when you realize that you were incorrect about something, oosh, like this uh, like ego, ego stands out. It's like, no way. It's like, <laughs> no, what are you, you talking about? I thought about this. I'm a deep thinker. I've thought about this yeah. in depth. But I after the, after I got over that, now when I'm proven wrong, mm-hmm. I love it. Because yeah. that means I learned something new. That means mm-hmm. I was I've been growing. And it's a whole shift in attitude that I had since I don't know, 1920. I probably still have some of it somewhere. Oh, we all do. <laughs> but that shift of of leading with humility, I yeah. think is something that is so important that so we need to start doing. And again, I don't blame people. I still, I don't still don't trust our government. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, with the new regime in, I think hopefully we'll learn some lessons. And I don't know. I have hope for the marriage of science and benevolence going forward. And I just I people too. leading with humility and a thirst to learn uh, instead That's, of an yeah. ego and a thirst to feel better than. Mm-hmm. Then this place would finally start to change in the way we want it. I feel like we've we've kind of done it to leadership ourselves. I feel like we've we've put leadership in this box of those who are in that position know it all. They have it all figured out, which just isn't that that's so it's much possible. pressure to live up to as a leader. And I think there's so much power as a leader when you can step forward into that humility and be like, I don't have all the answers. And actually the best way that we're going to do this is if we do it all together. Not just one individual who's going to lead us there, but it's the individual behind the team who can bring the team together, who can bring us all together to, what did, what did you say before? Get it right? or Yeah, get it right instead of wanting to be right. Yes, and that's what we need. That's We need that leader who wants to get it right and not be right. Which is why I think a, ph- a philosopher should be in government. Another yep. great segue. Yep. In terms of government, Socrates believed the best form of government was neither a, ty- a tyranny nor democracy he said it worked best when ruled by individuals who had the greatest ability or knowledge and virtue and possessed a complete understanding of themselves Mm -hmm. and this is why a thousand percent of philosophers should be running our country and that of course by no means means that they can't be corrupted of course anyone could be corrupted but if you're an established thinker and you've shown you've written books about how to critically think and those kind of things again someone that smart probably would never want to be president but because they're that th- smart exactly <laughs> i have to think that they, they have the least chance of being corrupted yeah but i can't see the world agreeing on this really i think it was plato who said the the people who are who should be leaders are the ones smart enough to know they don't want that job something to that effect yeah. because of just yeah the amount of shit Stress, you gotta work through and deal it's, and it's, it's a lot to put on your yeah, plate but we need it man but do we do we, do we, we need really people do. in power to be to lead with but then there that makes me think of the other side which is like a lot of people have very low confidence and when they see someone act with this Gusto. Goose gusto of yeah. just big confidence and knowing, like, I know it all. They buy in. Oh, they he knows. He, he knows. knows. He's got That's it. That's a lie. Like you yeah. were just saying, it's not, there's nobody who's like that, that knows everything. Mm-hmm. So 
it's just about getting everyone on the same page and trying to balance it all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's worth uh, noting that Socrates, when he says like, he doesn't claim that he knows nothing by his ignorance. He claims that he's aware of his ignorance. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of said in that, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that he does know is worthless. So this is why I love Socrates so much too, because although he has these incredible opinions, he's like, again, it's kind of what we say. He can only judge it off of his base, his experience in life. What he has come to him. He can't say this for anyone else. He's doing his best to try to get the best opinion out there. And if everyone did that, I think we go good. And yeah, what a a classic example of leadership humility right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't have the, answers but i love to like jive and think about this and like ruminate on some of this shit let's figure it out together yeah like, we can put our it. heads together lead with humility and mm-hmm. reason and talk and have discussion openly that's yeah. what it's all about so get into his uh his, his trial uh throughout his defense speech he repeatedly stresses that a human being must care more for his soul than anything else oh, that, oh. that we've gone away from in Preach. in in our country and yeah. in the world is kind of like it's no one really asks you how's your soul doing a lot of times no. it's like you're losing weight you're on a diet yeah. or you're you know you just got a job or something a yeah. new job and those things are more important than hey what have you been doing to critically think recently or to work out in your soul the deep thing that you maybe haven't dealt with how's yeah. that going you know I, I just want to give a shout out to a former coworker of mine. As you said, how's your soul? I remember that at the start of every, we would have DEI meetings, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And at the start of every single one of those meetings, she would always ask the group, how's your soul? There um, you so go. Shout out to Brendog if you're listening. How's your soul? Yeah, there's a, a reincarnation of Socrates, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, Socrates found that his fellow citizens cared more about wealth, reputation, and their bodies while neglecting their souls. Oh, no. Like, so, so it's been there since the before the yeah, Clintons. <laughs> yeah, before the Clintons even this stuff was around. Fuck. Unbelievable. Jesus. He believed that his mission from the gods was to examine his fellow citizens and persuade them that the most important good for a human being was the health of their soul. Mm. Wealth, he insisted, did not bring about human excellence or virtue. Yeah, and again, we wonder why why this our country whose god is the dollar bill is struggling right now <laughs> i love this socrates man i, do, I can't man. get enough he of knew this. it since fucking day one that we were gonna sow our own oats and fucking god, it, nail the coffee why, shut but why haven't people been reading socrates now for the, it's been out there for 2000 yeah, years for teaching it. this is what we're trying to do this is what we're trying to do through this podcast is hopefully just getting you to think uh you know critically that's and what ta- it's all about. and to get to take care of your soul take care of your soul really the dollar is not your god your dollar is not going to improve your soul no matter how much you think it will Mm-hmm. Another th- an interesting thought of Socrates I wanted to get into you with Max is famously he declares that no one errs or makes mistakes mm-hmm. knowingly. Mm. Here we find an example of this is like Socrates intellectual kind of yeah. side. When a person does what is wrong, their failure to do what is right is an intellectual error or due to their own ignorance about what is right. He says that if the person knew what was right, he wouldn't have, or no, yeah. If he says, if the person, if he knew the person was right, (laughs) he would have done it. Hence, it is not possible for someone simultaneously to know what is right and to do what is wrong. If someone does what is wrong, they do so because they do not know what is right. And if they claim that they have known what was right at the time when they committed the wrong, they are mistaken. For had they truly known what was right, they would have done it. So, God, it's 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 a lot there. This is a tricky one. This is yeah. such a tricky one because we. I, I love talking about this because here's the most famous quote that can make all that jumble jumble into one sentence. <laughs> there is only one good knowledge and one evil ignorance. Hmm. 
That's kind of that's kind of what he's saying there. And this is like the theory that no criminal actually believes that they are a criminal. Right. You'll hear a lot of times at the trial, you hear the defendant say, it, that wasn't me that day. I wasn't thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, no one really thinks that they're the villain in their own story. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think, Max? Oh, man, there's so many different avenues I can go with this. Um, so many different ways to riff on it. But the, the thing that's most alive for me right now is I, I'm thinking about kids and youth and children and innocence in that sense. And if you look at a child and, and they act... They act accordingly, right? They've got, at best, I'm thinking zero to three years old. So three years of life on this earth, they don't know a lot. No, not much at all. They may do it. They may commit an action that isn't deemed acceptable in this world. And so they get reprimanded by their parents, which I could go on about that too, but that's for mm-hmm. another day. We'll have plenty of time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that I think that's the best way to like kind of break this down bit by bit, right? If you look at children and their innocence, they there's no they're not acting from a place of maliciousness or evil they're acting from that place of ignorance they're acting because they don't know any better yeah but i think where i'm kind of coming into tension with this quote and with this philosophy and this thought process is how we kind of get in our own way with that ignorance i think and when when the child is committing that act if they're past a certain age how often do we hear the parents say you know better than that by now mm-hmm. And I think that's where, I don't know, it's so difficult to, to go and riff on this, but I, I feel that those, those, those slap on the hands, those, the different traumas that we're exposed to as we get older that are deemed wrong and not okay can actually cause somebody to just live in that space constantly and act from that place of ignorance. Mm. Um, Do you mean like once they hear this quote, that'll, then they'll be like, well, I'm just ignorant. You can kind of... Um, I, feel like, I, I feel like I mostly wholeheartedly agree with socrates and what he's saying here but i do there is a part of me now and i think in our day and age with the population and how big it is i do when you look at like manipulation that goes on i feel like manipulation is that act of knowing hmm this this isn't the best but this is an opportunity for me to get what i yeah want. i think there are people who know yeah. this probably isn't the most morally and I think those, they're like the tricksters in the world it's right they, they know they know how to walk that silver yeah. lining of good and bad but then like that's to me that brings up then they think maybe they were wronged in their past and they're like well someone's everyone's doing this is what they think yeah, so then that so. means they're ignorant that's true it's, yeah this is why this is so that. interesting of a yeah. topic because i i really do believe when someone is like murdering someone else you know in this yeah, crazy that's... passion they believe they're they're they were wronged and they're doing this to get even to get right that is wrong yeah. <laughs> almost every single yeah. time uh, it was wrong so Man. they're coming from this weird place of ignorance yeah that they just don't understand the whole spectrum mm. you know when you spin it that know. way that really shifts what we're trying my, to do yeah. it's when you and when you put it that way it really shifts my mindset around it and i, I am more apt to lean into that and believe yeah that is it a doesn't place of absolve ignorance. them for anything that, yeah. they, that you doesn't just because you're ignorant doesn't mean you should be absolved of mm-hmm. any wrongdoing that you've yeah. done but i do believe that there is some sort of ignorance that comes in evil doing and, you know maybe uh, yeah. sometimes though maybe it gets into bezos where it's almost conscious ignorance it's like right. i right. know this i you know you know i'm like, like you're just stuck I'm in not the pattern explored this you know because yeah. It's working for me, whatever. My right. life's happy. Yeah. So I'm just going to continue to be ignorant. And that's yeah. a problem. That's, 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 yeah. that's I mean, what it really Yeah, comes I think in. that's a great like asterisk to put there. And I feel like that's probably the case that I'm trying to refer to more specifically of the one who is conscious of it, but is actively choosing not to act. It's got to be some. Continuing to, to live in that place of ignorance and act from there. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Like when a tyrant of- puts someone to death, for instance, he does this because he thinks it's beneficial for his government. He thinks yeah. it's the right way it's to do it. He's going to control his people. Yeah. 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 yeah so, and I, and I, you know, I think if we take men in particular who commit, or not just who commit crimes, but there's men in general who have been over the years, we, we've experienced our own trauma, our own uh, hurt, our own pain. And so we act, a lot of men act from this place of power. And the only way that they feel they can get this power is by exerting it over other men. And I think that's the ignorance there, right? That believing, oh, well, they, that's how power was dominated over me. It was that control over. So that's how I'll get it too, is controlling other people yes all right anyway unfortunately socrates as uh spoiler alert he was deemed guilty <laughs> of impiety and corrupting the youth and had a he actually this is really interesting he had a chance to escape by a plan formed by plato and they were going to oh. bribe the guards socrates refused wow. and he took his ruling and he died with his dignity and his integrity and was forced to drink a hemlock and die a noble death a wow. shame but seven years of spreading knowledge I don't know. I feel like he's he the got winner here, Max. Yeah. He's the winner in he the got end. We're literally it. still breaking him down. Two guys got a bone around for him right, <laughs> right still to this day. So um, I love Socrates. He's going to come up in, in all of the rest of our discussions yeah. throughout this show. So uh, before we move on to our last segment, how about we pontificate on a couple quotes that we didn't get to? Let's do it. All right. Okay, here we go. When the debate is over, slander becomes the tool of the loser. Oh, I love that. Love this one. And I, I do a lesson with my fifth graders around this and how no adults really know how to argue in today's day and age oh. because it's so frequently resorts to slander so quickly. My God, it's so funny before you get into that. It's like when I was when we were kids, that would happen. The slander yeah. comes out quick. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, until I get to an adult, it's probably going to be less like that. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. no. If there's anything I know about adulthood <laughs> is that most adults are just giant children. Yep, yep. 100%. So, anyway, yeah, so what's, the, what's the system that you went through, the uh, the cool thing? That what, you we, what I talk about with them is that when you resort to slander in an argument, you've already lost because you've run out of the knowledge that you need to continue arguing. And when Tool you run out of that, yeah. Um, so you resort to insults to kind of berate your opponent and make make i don't know make yourself feel better make the argument seem like it's continuing and you're winning to other dumb people yeah. you'll seem like the winner yeah, as yeah. we saw with Ooh, trump got him good yeah. <laughs> yeah um so we we were doing the colonials and the wigs and the students had to argue the they i assigned them the role so one student was the wig one was the uh, colonial and then they got to stand up and argue their point of why they felt their party was more right than the other Go and i told them me. yeah i said the minute you resort to slander and you insult your opponent you have to sit down because you've lost and so the first two kids go and they were up against um this one for confidentiality reasons let's call her barbara uh, Bar- barbara and uh matt both not real they're fictitious names but they were going back and forth can't remember who was who but Barbara was sharp as a tack, really smart, just like easy, easily absorbed information and knowledge and can regurgitate it back. So I was like, she's got this in the yeah. bag. And so they were going back and forth, chirp, 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 chirp. Um, and it, I was surprised. Matt kept up with her. He was going. He was throwing like good hooks and curves. But then she threw just one like powerhouse to the jaw. Nice. And he got tripped up on his words. And he's losing it and losing it. And you can see it like build up until he's trying not to resort to the slander. And I'm just sitting there waiting for the pressure cooker <laughs> to blow. And he goes, yeah, well, you got a fat neck. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, everyone was like, sit up. Yeah, he lost. The easy loss. That's hilarious. Then, but we took a moment to reflect there and put it back on him. And we were like, what happened there? And he's like, 
I lost. I didn't yeah. have any more ammo. I didn't have any it's, more knowledge to throw. It and, comes back to that ego almost. It's hard to just be like, yeah. okay, Mrs. Shake her hand and be yeah. like, you won. It's you easier to say that. you have a fat neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> the, the, the part of his crowd he'll be able to manipulate and get back on his side. But yeah. as Socrates says, no, it's, it's, uh, I like the quote, if you argue with a fool, you lose every time. Because yep. it's just, it's just, there's no argue with yeah. people with like, who, are, who will result with slander. It's because they're out of intellectual ideas. Yep. So yep. easy thing by Socrates. All right, next one. Education is the kindling of a flame, mm. not the filling of a vessel. Oh, so important. So important. I Absolutely. Mean, that needs to be on all schools. So <laughs> that's just like, first of all, they don't even, again, we don't even teach philosophy. Or next episode, we're also going to get into stocks, I think, too. And so they, fun. they don't teach anything about that. And part of that mm-hmm. makes me think is because the big people in power who are yep. benefiting off this don't want the laymen to know anything Keep about Keep them mediocre. They don't want you to think about in philosophical terms. They don't want you to know the hard language oh, of It's a threat to the structures we have in place. Exactly. So I think the education, I love, you know, I got to learn some really cool stuff in school. That's absolutely mm-hmm. uh, true. But I didn't really um, get into my real knowledge until I applied that into myself. And I decided yeah. myself, I'm going to, to learn. I have the information that uh, in front of me that I can choose to take in. Yeah. And it wasn't just from the education, but the other things outside of life, even this philosophical discussion, it fills my vessel a little yeah. bit more. Well, and I just think we've come so far, in my opinion, and in my definition of what education should be, uh, from what it is now. Um, it was... What in the the industrial revolution was the last time it got any overhaul. So really, it's still in that design form to crank out people who can go work at an assembly line. Yeah, um, and that's just not the way of the world anymore. And education, to borrow uh, from Professor Keating and the Dead Poet Society, where he says, "I thought education was about teaching people to think for themselves." Yes, we're not really doing that anymore in education. No, um, and that's not to say all teachers aren't, but like, oh, God, with, no. if, with the the curriculum and the tools it's that up top you're given, is what we're yeah. About. If the, the tools that were given to teach our students to the test is not teaching kids how to think for themselves. It's teaching them how to take a test, how to regurgitate information, and how to continue operating in this mediocre suit where they want us to stay. But if you want, but if we're going to branch out of that, if we're going to create the more beautiful world that we know is capable in our hearts, we have to learn how to think for ourselves. We need more of that philosophical dialect, that Socratic method brought into education. Everything Socrates, Socrates yeah. believed in. And we need to teach kids how to healthily push the envelope kids are natural naturally gifted in the uh, ability to push our boundaries and to push our buttons and that's good they need that yeah that's that how you learn fire, right? the resilience back to learn yeah so they need to come into that resistance and we need to encourage that resistance but we need to encourage it in a healthy way and i feel you know that's where that's where the disconnect is we're we've lost that ourselves so we're reteaching ourselves how to step into that. And then I think we need to go back to our, our education system and, and do the same thing because it's not life isn't fill out this uh, multiple choice questionnaire. Do this, like check that off, get an 80 on the test. You're good to go. Correct. We've instilled that in a lot of different pursuits, like towards a law degree or to getting certified to be an accountant. There are tests that you have to pass to get there. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Those are necessary. I think you need to test your aptitude to be able to get to see how sure. you're going to function in those different pursuits. But 
on the greater scheme of life, not that's the, not the only important not thing. The, there's not a one-size-fits-all kind exactly. of test that should be given out exactly. that is like this world. And that's the thing with education too. It's not one-size-fits-all. No. Everybody learns so differently. Mm-hmm. And we need. There, I feel like there's a better way that we could be doing it that's more conducive to different learning styles. Yeah, like we need a wizardry hat where they put you on yeah, the sorting the hat. Sorting <laughs> hat to sort you into what kind of education style. You're like, that was great though, Max. This is a perfect person to talk to about this. It's awesome stuff. And this stuff. Great quote by Socrates. All right, next one. Beware the barrenness of a busy life. Mm. So this goes back to almost unexamined life worth living discussion that we yeah. had. It's a, sometimes you can fill things with your life to avoid maybe going mm-hmm. at looking at after your soul. It's kind of easy to pile up things in your life in this day and age, 2021. You can do this, this, and this to avoid looking deep within. And I think that's kind of what Socrates was getting at. A hundred percent. Yeah. I know my propensity to fill my schedule when I'm anxious and when I'm anxious, I'm a lot more busier because often I don't want to, I don't want to sit in that anxiety and feel it. I want to be moving. Yeah. And, and I think that's okay to a limit. To Absolutely. A limit. It's a to good a thing to be busy, but if you're doing it hundred percent of the time yeah. and avoiding it, that's where it gets really, that's where it gets really I, I know a lot of workaholics. That's yeah. a real legitimate And I feel like, that, you know, that's society. the barrenness that Socrates is referring to when you're, when you can't sit in that, anxious mm-hmm. uncomfortable space and be with right. yourself like you're that's when it's getting getting dangerous yeah absolutely all right last one kind of a goofy one for our uh, goofy buddy by all means marry if you get a good wife you'll become happy if you get a bad one you'll become a philosopher <laughs> so i love socrates obviously good man witty genius Loved his wine, loved his life, loved to talk. That's yeah. kind of what we do too. We're trying to give you guys, just try to get, encourage everyone to think for themselves. That's yep. basically what we yep. want to do with this and also yeah. entertain you. So and, and exa- go in and examine those deep thoughts. It's good to do that. It's healthy. Absolutely. Find someone with a like mind and you can have yeah. a great conversation and your life will, I, don't, I can't I can't see it getting worse from yeah. it. So we could do a whole series on Socrates, like I've said. So I'm obviously omitting a ton of his brilliantly big 70 year of life but yeah and and why we did him first is because he shows up in a ton of future philosophers work so mm-hmm. if you stick around in philosophize you'll hear him come he'll up be back a lot of times <laughs> okay final break and then let's have some fun when we get back shall we last segment do not go away looking for a new book that will make you laugh the book of joe follows the journey of a coffee cup who experiences a series of hapless relationships with other beverages following these tragic yet albeit hilarious breakups Joe spirals into a self-destructive state as he struggles to move on, until he befriends a monkey named Oscar, that is. A coffee cup with a big heart, a world with harsh realities, a monkey with the key to life. The Book of Joe is a story of overcoming heartache and adversity told through raucous humor, endearing characters, in bold black and white illustration from creative mind Daniel Mestia. Get your copy on Amazon today and follow his Instagram page at Dan underscore Mestia. That's at Dan underscore M-I-S-D-E-A. What follows for Joe and Oscar reminds us to appreciate the little things, most notably, friendship. Get your copy today. This is a real advertisement. I repeat, this is a real advertisement. You know what that sound means? It's time for another edition of Aussie Philosophy. Their fathers are from England. Their mothers are from down under. They like to talk about the Sheilas and their feelings and the ruse and the booze. And without any other further adoos, here's your hosts. Straight out of the Australian Outback, Kiefer and Mac. Ha <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know that you all have a great Australian cheer. I want to hear it. So let me say first, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed that. All right, we're back, Kiefer, Mac, and Mac. 
back at it again. I, it. I missed you. Yeah, I went, I went mute for all 2020, so I wasn't able to be on the podcast. Then I realized that they didn't even have a podcast. Yeah, right? they did. They so, was fucking going off in the fucking philosopher cave. I don't fucking know what 2020 is going on. I, I actually went mute as a protest to the bushfires last year yeah, uh, all around the country. All I did was watch a bunch of shitty of American sitcoms like Friends. Oh, how right. I rooted your mother. So <laughs> now I feel like I sound like a damn American after these past couple of years. Mate, you got how long? Full year, no talking, right? Full year. Full fucking year. 365 days. I didn't say a word to me kangaroo and a word to oh, me mother. Good. Oh, so you were with them both, eh? <laughs> They're the same person. That's <laughs> the exact same beard. So how about this? I like to start, start off with a little song on BF for Christmas. Oh, me I, too. I love songs. All right. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time's a beaut. Oh, what time it is to ride in a rusty old Ute. Not hey. engines getting hot. We dodge the kangaroos. The swaggy climbs aboard. He is welcome to all the families there. Sitting by the pool. Christmas Day, the Aussie way. It's a fucking barbecue. Hey! hey. Oh, you about that, mate? Love us. Because our country's on, on fire. It's on fire. You get it? fucking place is burning down around. Yeah. Oh, where the whole fires were going around. We took our good friend Jeff down to the Great Jeff. Down Oh, under. I forgot about Jeff. Yeah, right. He's a real fucking piece of work, that Jeff. They're just fucking hamming our boomerangs, right? Just throwing yeah, what else just right around, throwing him through fires, throwing <laughs> tricks with him and shit, right? Oh, and Jeff, you should have seen, he's running, he goes, he gets a good wind up. He fucking hams it. It didn't come back. It didn't come His back. boomerang didn't come back. You know what that means? What does it mean? He's a fucking dick. He's mate. a dick. And so we left him there in the great down there. Oh, God. In the burning bush. bush. Oh, my goodness. We left him there. still there. Oh, he's still there. I haven't seen him since. Yeah, but if your boomerang ain't coming back, it's, you know, you're not coming yeah, back. I wasn't ever a huge fan of Jeff, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It made to, sense. You know, well, we saw. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. The kangaroo, right? Yeah. Kangaroo. Yeah. So we saw that and. We just packed up and left. Whenever you see someone's boomerang not coming oh, back, no, it's, it's bad news. Sign, it's yeah. not good. You bad you juju. Right, you made the right decision. I yeah, know. we got out of there, mate. That's like, it reminds me of the pack of Americans that were in Perth a couple of years ago and they were throwing out boomerangs. No, no, I ain't fucking clue what they were doing. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, these Americans, I got to be honest, I expected more out of them when the pandemic started. What happened? They just... They've been talking shit on that. They called us the toilet bowl of the, <laughs> of the world. They called us a bunch of fucking slabby idiots. Oh, and now look at them. They can't, they, they, we, we have zero case of we're on fire, mate. And not in the not in the sense that we were before, but we're doing fucking we are great, doing mate. really good work. And look at these Americans floundering. And what about that the Prezi, that orange fellow? What was his name? Oh, fucking Donald, uh, Donald fucking Trump, but Donald Duck, Duck or something. Yeah, a couple stubby short of a six pack. That one. <laughs> right. Can't believe half the country voted for that one, but oh, I couldn't believe it. I don't know why you're yeah, laughing, yeah, though, Kiefer. You're not much yeah, better. You yeah, see, yeah, 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 yeah. At least my skin's a little less orange. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, but all you do is smoke heaters and pants slabs. Yeah, well, listen, I've given up heaters. I went down to the good, desert, good, right? Yeah. The good old desert right down here in Aussie. And uh, I ate this cactus plant, right? Yeah. Right, and I had this magical experience, right? <gasps> Where this little elf walked up to me. What? Yeah, he came he come right up. He's about knee high. And he said, uh, if you smoke another heater, I'm going to grab you by the tip of the cock and swing you over oh, my no, head. You like did a he? lasso. 
Wow. And I wanted to see him do it, so I pulled out a heater and by Christ, that little fucker grabbed the tip of me cock and spun me right around My like goodness, a lasso. Jesus, that's I couldn't believe him. I don't know, amazing, though, but I woke I up the next morning and I haven't had a heater since, and that was just yesterday. What about since we've been chilling? For this week in a podcast doing in Denver and Boulder, I, it's the first ever time I got a little puff of the puff of the goody good two shoes, oh, the green puff stuff, of the sticky, icky, the sticky, icky, the, the wacky tobacco. You know what my granny says? What, what <laughs> she granny says say? weeds for cunts who don't drink. That's what she says. Granny was always. My granny's never been wrong about nothing. Yeah. So I got it, but I said I got to try this one thing. I got to try it. I'm just here in America, it. Yeah, yeah. and just I tried try. it. And I'm, let me tell you, how was it? It made my Sunday roast taste incredible. Oh my! Like, you bring had, any with you? I had an elk steak. I got three elk. fucking chibis back. I had an elk steak, oh. bacon, a couple of fucking peppers on side of it, and I was smoked a heater. And I was like, oh my. God, I've been missing oh, out. I don't mate, think I'm going to bring mate. a bunch back to Australia as well. Well, how do, well, how do you smoke it? Do you, is it like a cigarette? Yeah, you put so it in you, a. You take what? this and it's all over my hands and I grind it up. It's all sticky and then you put it in this little this little paper and you roll it up just like like you would like when we're rolling handhold cigarettes. Yeah, 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 right. Back. It's not, not that much different except, you know. Add a little tobacco in if you want. You could do this. You could do that. Oh. But I like spliff. I like that. So you I like roll spliff, it up. Yeah. Take that. A couple wings of the boomerang. Have my fucking oh. Sunday roast. Your boomerang come back. Yes, it did. Okay, thank God. Good, 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 Actually, then I'm not going to tell my kids. But no, for real. <laughs> what? It was incredible. And the other thing I want to say is, speaking of elves, mate, this thing, there's this thing in Denver. I had no idea about snow. What? Snow. What's that? Yeah, that's what I said. We come from the outback. We come here. There's white shit on the ground. It's water. Apparently, it's, it's water. water. It's water? I don't know But what it's it not. Is. It's solid. I don't know what the fuck it is, mate. It's what? ice, it's water. It's it not make, sand. It gets in, no, it doesn't feel good. It gets into my nether regions and it's all freezing down there. It's, oh, cold. it's cold. I got my hands fucking blowing up. It's fucking unbelievable. Um, anyway, right, let's mate. get back to these guys. They got it. They're doing such a good job. We'll be back. Thanks for we'll having be us back. on. Thanks for having us you on. Fucking you cunts. fucking cunts. Goodbye. <laughs> It's the fact check. So they say. All right, I'm going to probably have to make some other type of imaging. That was probably kind of annoying, but I'll think of something. But this is the first fact check. Welcome. Uh, we didn't have one on our first edition of Philosophize a few years ago, but Lord knows we pull a lot of shit out of our ass. So I just want to make sure we get some things correct. Uh, sorry, let's get right into it. I mentioned suicide being illegal, which is actually, I learned, not true, at least in the U.S. of A. It's legal, but voluntary euthanasia is illegal. And physician-assisted death is illegal as well, except for 10 jurisdictions, which are California, Colorado, D.C., Hawaii, Montana, Maine, New Jersey, and Oregon, Vermont, and Washington. So these laws, excluding Montana, since there is no law, expressly state that actions taken in accordance with the act shall not for any purpose constitute suicide, assisted suicide, mercy killing, or homicide under the law. So legal mumbo jumbo aside, if you're looking to tap out of the chokehold of life, just establish residency in one of those states, I suppose. All right, moving on. I mentioned the Netflix NDE doc on uh, near-death experiences. It's called Surviving Death. Uh, check it out. It's absolutely fascinating. First-hand accounts of people who have medically died and come back. And then there's also a beautiful uh, scripted show called The OA on Netflix, Original Angel, which touches on some NDE stuff, but it's more entertaining than anything else. It's a really good show. I'm so sad it got canceled, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, next, we had that Max said that 60% of wealth is inherited in this country, which I wouldn't be surprised. And looking it up, 
It looks like, first of all, according to PolitiFact and other sources, in 2011, the 400 wealthiest Americans had more wealth than half of all Americans combined. Okay, that's absurd. That is insane. Um, I'm telling you, people's lack of knowledge of basic math makes them not understand how terrible the distribution of wealth is in our country and, of course, in the world, too. I couldn't find an exact percentage of wealth that is inherited, but I read somewhere that between 35 and 40 percent of all wealth is known to be inherited in the United States. So while not quite 60, that is extremely high. And yeah, I found this interesting, though. On the other side, millionaires only inherited their wealth 20 percent of the time, while about 80 percent worked for it. That might be surprising you out there. So if you want to be a millionaire, you're four out of five times going to have to work hard for it, which uh, I guess makes sense to me. So take with that what you will. Um, and I just mentioned our struggle understanding math, leading us to not realizing how absurd the distribution of wealth is. So, okay, follow me here. If you wanted to count to a million, all right, if you wanted to count to a million, counting every single second as a number, like one, two, just as seconds go, it would take you 11 and a half days to count to uh, a million. So 11.57 days to be exact to count to a million. That's a, that's a long time, right? You thought it might be shorter. So then you look up for a billion seconds. Okay, what if you counted one unit every second, like I just did with a million? And so if you counted every single second to, to get to a billion, it would take you, wait for it, 31.7 years. That's right. 11 and a half days to count to a million. 31.7 years to count to a billion. This is why no one should be able to have a billion dollars. It's an insane amount of money. More than a million. It's just so much more than a million. People don't realize that. Fucking crazy shit, man. So shitty. Uh, if that doesn't wake you up to how much a billionaire is worth than a billionaire, then I don't know what will. So I don't know. It's not like anyone cares about math anyway. Crazy shit. So Lastly, we mentioned that between four and seven years, it takes to completely regenerate your cells. And I looked it up. It's actually seven and ten years. So it's crazy. Essentially, every decade, you are a completely new person, which I guess could be inspiring. You can change. You can do whatever. You can do whatever you want to do in this world every decade. Um, all right. Those are all the facts for this long episode. It's going to be it will probably won't be as long, the episodes in general going forward. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I guess lastly, I'll just say visit our website, qualiapodcastingnetwork.com, for other podcasts such as Love in the Brain with my dumb sister and my scripted show, The Quail Chronicles, comes from my dumb brain. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it. So thanks for joining us, and uh, I'll see you, see you next week, you worthless peons. I